the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. <coughs> marrow. Marrow. Marinade. marinade. Bone That's marinade. Fun. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, episode 17 with Vanessa Jean Speckman. I am so honored to have Vanessa on the show. From the first time I met her about a year ago during her pop-up art show here in Orlando, I thought the next time that she comes around, I gotta make this happen. I've followed her work since then and have continued to be inspired. Vanessa is a visual artist, a poet, an incredibly intelligent and courageous person whose art now, I'm grateful to say, adorns the walls of the all-new Marinade Studios. We caught up before her most recent pop-up art show in Orlando, and Vanessa really opened up about her creative process, about her move from a more secure gig to being a full-time artist, about the challenges of life on the road, and she even read some of her poetry accompanied by great friend of the marinade, Micah Schnabel on guitar, whose second appearance on the show is forthcoming. I'm so thankful to have Vanessa on the show. You can find Vanessa's beautiful, powerful work in her Etsy store. I also highly recommend that you follow Vanessa Jean Speckman on social media so that you can keep up with wherever her pop-up art shows might be happening. I'm so grateful to have Vanessa on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Jean Speckman. Check, check. Hello. Hello, hello. Does it work? Yeah, I think it does work. <laughs> Man, thank you, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. This I'm super is, excited. This is quite the thrill. I'm so <laughs> excited. Uh, there's so much to talk about and so much more to talk about now, right? So, like, um, <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate That's you crazy. sharing that poetry with me. <laughs> oh, thank and you. And there's so much I want to get into. Um, but I love it. I love the stuff that I read. Um, thank you. And... I, you posted the other day on Instagram or somewhere on social media, uh-huh. something about um, you, you were kind of telling your story and briefly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be a really cool place to start just for folks to kind of hear, you know, you going from the career you had to yeah. really going art full time, what that was like. Yeah. Um, out of college, I started teaching. I was in um, California. So with my um, bachelor's degree, I fell under a cool little law where you could teach two years without having a master's. So mm. I was going to do that part-time um, and that ended up, and I was going to try to do that part-time and then pursue like some sort of design job. And growing up in Silicon Valley, that was, you know, Google and Facebook and very flat concept of design work of, you know, letterheads and whatnot. So right, right. I did, I taught um, high school art and then first period, and then I would race over to a junior high and 
from 9 to 3 p.m. I was a seventh grade teacher. And um, wow. I was 22 at the time, which was insane. And um, I was doing a zine called Lubricated with my brother. Okay. Um, and that was kind of my saving grace. And then um, I didn't decide to pursue teaching because my um, dad worked at one of the, the high school I worked at. Uh-huh. And there was a nepotism rule. And that was a it was a private school, and I really liked the. Um, I grew up there, so it was family and community. And being a young teacher um, at the other school, there wasn't much support. Um, and so, I just decided that teaching was always something that I could do, and I'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. And I had this opportunity as an intern. I started off at Sunset Magazine, which is um, like a Western living magazine. Okay. Um, and I worked there for six years, and I yeah. nannied on the side to actually make rent money, and and that's when uh, Micah and I decided between California and Ohio that um, Ohio would be a cheaper place for us to pursue our arts. Oh, interesting. And, um, yeah, I quit. I quit my job nannying, and I quit my job at the magazine, which was supposed to kind of be one of those things you build, you know, your career. You start as an intern and. I developed into like set design and studio management and um, photo shoot assistant, just kind of all hats art department type person, but making pennies in a really cool, progressive, you know, we were, or- we were owned by Time Warner Cable or whatever corporation right. at the time. So um, it was a cool gig, but it was super corporate and there was no mobility for me in the near future, especially living in the Bay Area. Like, yeah. I was commuting 45 minutes from Santa Cruz to Palo Alto, and it was nuts. It yeah. was nuts. So, yeah, I quit and moved to Ohio and had no plan. I knew Micah and Shane, and that was it. And um, I had a little bit of money saved up, and, yeah, I just started making full-time. So That's crazy. I mean, yeah. that takes a lot of courage. Yeah, and insanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Complete insanity. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's been about six years since I started my Etsy account. And oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, like, one of the first things I did is yeah. we cleared out the basement. We were living with uh, Micah's brother and sister-in-law and trying to all save rent and uh-huh. and cleaned up the basement and made myself a studio. And we were there for about three months until we moved into the space we're at now. And, yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's amazing. <laughs> making, yeah, making in our home and traveling and touring with it and... The touring part is interesting too, and I want to get into that. Mm-hmm. Like that's an it's an interesting concept because like that seems like ver- two very kind of different disciplines, right? There's mm-hmm. the the doing at home usually, right? I mean, you pretty yes. much work at home, yes. and then there's the taking that out on the road, which seems like a different creative process. Yeah, yeah. I think tour is totally different for like Micah and I because leading up to tour, I'm I'm a train wreck. You know, mm. like he's reading and he's relaxed and he's packed and laundry's done and you know guitar strings are purchased and you know checklist yeah. is done and I'm like do I have enough maps painted like did I order enough t-shirts and so um yeah touring the prep for me is different versus like once I get on the road there's a little I can I can be really present I feel like I'm not mm. worried about merch but you know like obviously each show is different so yeah um, that affects it and yeah, it's. I mean, it's a struggle because like, we're gonna get home from this on July fourth, and I'll be home for about ten days before I fly to California, and 
you know, it's wonderful to get Etsy orders when you're on the road and for people to be understanding that, you know, like I post that I'm on tour and Okay, so you wait till you get get back. But I don't close the I don't close the shop and you know, if people want refunds because it's gonna be four weeks until I can accommodate them, that's you know, I will do that. Like I want customers to be happy. But yeah, so it's hard. It's hard. And then when you get home you you wanna make new stuff. Like, you know, it feels like your well has be been refilled once you're out in the world and your art finally starts to make some context once it's you know you're not sitting at home in your studio and yeah and whatnot so uh at home time is precious and sacred to me <laughs> because right, you know, right. i don't have a much much of it and yeah well i wondered about that too that are you able to do you are you able to create on the road first of all like, do you do anything much no okay it's, i've tried i really tried and like the early early days with um, Micah uh-huh. I did because I was painting my yeah. own shirts uh-huh. um, and now like for tour I, I get them printed so like and just not knowing like what a show looks like you know and how many people are coming or what sells well and what translate well in a dark bar versus you know like Man, a, that's interesting a pop-up point. flea market or something like that yeah. so over time I've learned but yeah any I mean reading a book on tour is I've been reading the same book for two months you know and mm. I've been on the road for two months and I just what are you reading I'm reading um Willie uh Willie Vlaton's new book don't uh. step out on me oh so he yeah he's he yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's left on, a review yeah. on hello on my name book, is Henry yeah. which you did an excellent job on the oh, artwork on you. by the way thank you I love it I also love um so this book keeps coming up and I'm, I'm gonna talk to him yeah, about yeah. it too but um I love how the the cover and your artwork on the cover it gives away just enough to kind of make you go like especially this design this particular choice here where you do a scene <laughs> of accident i'm on, I, i'm on page 116 right now okay. so i just finished the accident oh you know it just so it just yeah. happened and but the whole time i'm like when's that Are accident okay? happening <laughs> when's that accident gonna happen yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> No. Yes, you're emotionally <laughs> raw, right? I understand. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was funny because Micah, this is, I think, kind of the first time he's had more of a concrete idea for artwork, like with Norman Rockwell. He's like, I have no idea. Yeah, oh, I love that too, I by the way. I went for that. Yeah. Thank you. And like with this, you know, I had some mess ups because everything is accurate to how Henry would walk out of each of those. Oh, okay. Um, kind of main establishments of Brooksville. So right. yeah, there was a couple of times where, you know, my placement of places weren't super perfect. Um, so it was, it made it almost more nerve wracking that mm. he had a bit of a vision, um, you know, and, and it needed to be somewhat factual to, to Henry's. Okay. That's interesting. Cause like, you know, my, with my partner, Chris, who's an artist, a lot of times she did, she does all the artwork for the show. So she did the stickers and then she did the, the drawing of my face. That's uh, like the main logo. Fantastic. That's her. But I fantastic. had a vision for it. And so that was interesting. Cause like I came to her with this idea and one of the things I really stressed, and I'm, I, I would imagine that Michael would feel the same way is I really wanted it to be her thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I didn't, voice. I was not wanting to, I did not want to critique too much. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I was just like, here's my concept. Mm-hmm. You're the artist, though. So you go do the thing. Yeah. And of course, she exceeded anything that was in my head. Yeah. You know, but that's it for you. Someone comes to you with that vision. There is kind of it seems like there is a balance there. Like, yes, I still want to get their vision right. 
but it's your work. It's hard, yeah. I felt like I kind of, it took me a long time to finally sit down and actually execute the artwork for that. And I think I was so nervous about it being like on a, on a book. Yeah. And it being obviously a first and having more direction. Um, just because I was like, well, is this what, you know, is this, so it kind of, it rattled me, but in a good way. Good. But I think like, like with your partner, someone where you can really um, be vulnerable in description, but also know that there's like, you have your voice and she has her style. Right. And however, that's going to be executed because there's definitely, you know, gigs where people are like, oh, I want it to be like this, but in your style. And, uh. you know, by the end of the month, you're just like, you could have drawn this and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to charge you for this, you know? Yeah, you yeah. You knew what you wanted, but yeah, it was not. Do so people come to you? Yes, you write you write poetry which we're going to talk about mm. and then you write the the le the the phrases and the words mm. that go on to a lot of your artwork yes. right so one of the things that you do that i think is so beautiful is you have your words that go onto a map or you have it on a, a tapestry of some mm -hmm. sort um do people and would you be open to it do people come to you with ideas about what they would want yeah yeah and then um, is that something you're they've like they've people come to me um i try Right now, I want to be creating in my voice. I'm mm. not, you know, I'm fortunate to be struggling within my means of <laughs> what I'm capable of struggling under. And, I, you know, I think if I got to a point where I need to make money, I would, you know, offer other services. But mm. um, right now, I really want to focus on my voice. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to pol be polite and communicate with the people and also like recommend other, you know, services, especially on Etsy, just because there's so many small makers who can, you know, custom make something. But yeah, it's interesting because a lot of times it's easy to notice on Etsy emails of who knows me for my work and my art and who came across you know typography and stencil and black oh. paint and etsy is wonderful about keywords and hashtags for for that but sometimes someone's like hey can you silk screen me you know 50 shirts with bridal shower you know 2018 in daytona beach like by tomorrow like that's <laughs> that's not what, not what i do, do. yeah <laughs> so yeah does that happen often um etsy's a funny place yeah it's, yeah it's really it's a fabulous place, you know. Uh -huh. It is a, for what percent they take from you, um, it's a really easy platform to have an online business presence. Okay. And have, you know, kind of all those different things that you don't have to think about, about like your PayPal and your Square and all those things are set up and, you know, it's really annoying to post on Etsy because they're like, when did you make this? What color paint were you using? Like, what are the materials? And it's just very detailed, but at the end of the day, you might get more results or searches or whatever because someone's able to, because you hashtagged black paint or something. Is so some of that giving people a window into your... Yeah, I try to, I try to be sparse with, yeah. with my... Because, yeah. like, the magician doesn't tell how the magic trick is yeah. done, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so how, how much are you, do you open exactly. up about that, you know? I mean, here I am asking you to open up about your process <laughs> on, it's, it's on record, but it's, it's different, It's a I totally guess. different environment, you yeah. know? Like people who are coming to your space know or are interested because of something that is of commonality, yeah. you know? Sure. Um, and Etsy is just, 
you know, Google, Facebook. It's yeah, it's just massive. And so you kind of have to be careful curating that. I would yeah, think. like I don't, I really don't advertise too much on it. Like yeah, just because. I I did get an email yesterday um, saying that they took down a couple maps because somebody, a company had trademarked, uh, quote, choose your own adventure, end quote. So, you know, those books where like the end of the chapter you get to oh, uh-huh. pick which, you know, which action you take. Yeah. And I had uh, um, titled a couple maps, choose your own adventure. And then from that, you, you scroll down and you pick, you know, sad songs make me feel better or whatever. And yeah. Etsy took down over like 50,000 postings and they're like, please keep this to yourself. I'm like, eh, transparency is cool too. Uh, yeah, like, that's interesting. So yeah, that's a interesting platform to have to claim, yeah. choose your own adventure and take down, you know, a bunch of other people's work online. That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a con for Etsy, but sure. I mean, I'm so happy to have a platform online to sell my stuff and right. have someone know what they're doing and have their shit together. And I just have to, you know, get on my app on my phone like I can post something. You know? that, yeah, that whole thing can sometimes I'm getting better about it mm-hmm. and I don't mind it. I don't mind the promotion part. I just don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You and know, like I, it's not my yeah. skill set. Yeah. You know, this is my skill set. about yourself is also in, in an advertising way, but you want to be honest too and right. vulnerable and not super shiny, but also not like dark and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you, do you let people know, Yeah, you know, to, and like a lot of times you'll end up, especially in, in any art form, you're, you're burying yourself so much that like where you draw that line is a difficult question. Mm-hmm. You know, how much am I going to say, for example, on the show, I try to be as open as possible. Like, Sometimes you're just there might be first of all, it may not be compelling if I go too far. You know, it may not be that interesting. It yeah. turns into like a prurient interest at that point, you know. But at the same time, it is interesting to for people to be vulnerable and to open up. And a lot of us need that. That's one of the things that mm-hmm. I love about the music the music that I'm drawn to is so many of the musicians that I'm drawn to are just up there bearing themselves. You know, Micah's up there bleeding yep. for you, yep. you know, when he plays. We, we just had American Aquarium and Travis mm-hmm. Meadows come through. BJ's up there laying it all yep. out, you know. Yep. Uh, Travis is up there laying it all out. And I love that. But at the same time, like, how much of yourself do you keep mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not necessarily put in your art, you mm-hmm. know? It's a struggle. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a struggle. And I think um, with the technology that we have that we're all currently, you know, in that in the throes of that of trying to navigate honesty and what we want mm-hmm. you know and what we are and what we're working for and also a business essentially you right, know right and um and not being an asshole or a show you know showing off about it like i, tr- yeah. I always just i try to think of be informative and witty if i can mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and um yeah yeah I that's don't know. great it's a hard thing and it's been putting your speaking of putting yourself out there when you when you get to a venue like this one. So we're at Will's Pub mm-hmm. and um, you're going to have your pop up art set up. Yep. Um, the show is going to be happening as well. How I'm imagining physical space is really determining like there's a kind of art to that as well. Yeah. Like how are you, what do you yeah. put up? How do you put it up? Yeah. 
how do you make what does that process look like for totally. you totally and that goes back to your earlier question about like touring yeah. you know and <clears throat> being at home and the different type of work and that's definitely one of it uh, one of the things because like I can go you know check in with the sound guy and change the strings and do sound check and that's my time to go set up the table and um, yeah like I've, we've been trying to put up lace banners on the stage and um, trying to be more in control of the space and mm -hmm. be really aware of that and um, a band I really love and admire who are also brilliant artists in every um, form um, they're from Toronto called July Talk Okay. and before every show they put up flyers throughout the venue saying like this is a safe space and that like every color person and every sexuality and how you love and how you choose to love or identify that everyone is welcome in the space like thank you for being That's here like, love july talk and so that really struck me and mike and i have been talking a lot about how we can be more responsible for the space every night and even mm. if it is you know a dark bar and there's not a lot of people like i'm going to do my full setup every night like it doesn't matter if there's two people or 200 people like it's it's that's my job and that's why I'm there I wouldn't driven all the way from you know Columbus Ohio just to to half-ass it so right yeah every night is a challenge some nights people are friendly and sometimes the bartenders like you can set up outside you know oh, <laughs> wow. so um, that's frustrating yeah, yeah yeah so but I mean it, it is a moving space so if yeah vibes are weird you know you know you're not gonna be there tomorrow but also that like we booked the show and we are responsible for the space and people are coming and you know or whether or not people are coming like we booked the show and this is the space and um, how do we want that to look and feel for people so I like that a lot because you you seem to really get, you seem to to really get up and do the work and and do it in a way that you're making sure that you're upholding high levels of professionalism Thank and you. I wonder where like where the sort of stereotype of the artist of any kind, it could be musician, it could be visual artist, could be poet for that matter, uh -huh. the stereotype of the artist as like not necessarily being professional. It seems like maybe I'm just seeking out people who are taking it very seriously or maybe there's a sea change or maybe I just bought into a stereotype. I'm not sure, but it seems like there are a lot more people I'm encountering now who go, this is my job. I'm going to get up and do the work and I'm going to make sure it's good and mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure I do what I say I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be something that thank you. That you I really, really appreciate that. take seriously. That's important to me. Thank you. Um, I think, I mean, for me, I think for a really long time, I did what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And... A lot of that came very natural and easy and fortunate situations and and whatnot. Um, so I think that's carried over and even more so that it's mine. You know, like no matter what happens, this is all this is all me. <laughs> There's no yeah. one that's gonna help or pick up the pieces or anything. So. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's mine, and that, so I, I guess there's just complete ownership of it. Mm -hmm. And going back to being responsible for the space, and I think never really growing up like having a growing up in the Bay Area, like Fat Records and um, Gilman Street was there, and so like I grew up in a very heavy 
male dominant hardcore like punk scene and I was mm-hmm. surrounded by my brother and his friends which was like awesome to have that um, strength but for so long I never saw myself in anything you know oh, interesting and I think well I know I wasted a lot of time appeasing to the scene that I was in instead of exploring like my own work and so I think there's an urgency that I have and an ownership that I'm not willing to waver of you know when I get into a space or like I'm here I'm here to do the work and where did that shift happen I think it was I think it was around 27 or 28 um I think it was summer, summer of my 20. I had, so I was working at the magazine and I was yeah. nannying. And because they wouldn't hire me full time, I was forced to take a month off of work because of, you know, they didn't want to give me health benefits and all that kind of stuff. And so mm. I um, was like, well, screw it. I'm going to go do a month of something awesome and get away from the Bay Area. And I, um, I had a copy of, I'd, I w- had a copy of uh, Used Kids by Patti Smith. And I flew to Austin, Texas to help my best friend move from Austin to New York City. And she had rented (laughs) a budget cube truck to move all her shit to New York City. And we took like a two-week road trip. Um, And that's when I read that book. And that's when I was just like, none of this. (laughs) Everything that I'm doing does not matter. Oh, wow. And yeah. And that book kicked me me in the ass. And... um, I think doing that because everyone was like, oh, you can come, you know, like photo assist for me. And like, like everyone was giving me freelance work and, you know, they weren't going to my, my, the people who worked there with me were fabulous. We worked for timing. So that sucked. So everyone was going to help me out. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go on this road trip and do my thing. And yeah, I think a combination of that time away from life and responsibility and that book was kind of like okay that's amazing you can look at things differently so yeah yeah that was a shifting point for me for sure that's great it's so cool to hear that a book yeah i mean obviously there are other circumstances that you know you're ready for it It, you know you could have read that book five years earlier and maybe not been ready for it exactly and maybe no difference is made but you were ready for it a book hits you that's beautiful yeah oh man yeah yeah when did you start writing poetry i since i was a kid really yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> I've got some <laughs> my mom saves everything and she's been um sending me like snippets of like poetry books that I would write for like scholastic you know library fair and whatnot and uh-huh. it's like school sucks like <laughs> just, whatever but yeah, yeah, I've, yeah I guess I've I guess I've always been writing and um again didn't start really taking my voice seriously or realizing that there were other outlets for it. Like I was telling you, I was doing that zine with my brother, yeah. which was awesome. But again, it was like covering other people and, uh, uh-huh. and um, not allowing myself that space or that strength even and, and um, getting vulnerable. I, so. can, I can relate so much, <laughs> so much. It's I terrifying. Because I wrote about music for, I still do, obviously, yeah. but I, I wrote about music for a long time and I was covering shows or I was writing previews for shows and I, I, had a lot, I find that fulfilling. I really do enjoy it. But for me, it's a lot, it takes a lot less courage to write about somebody else's work than it does for me to sit down and really create mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally, I don't know when, 
when I finally started like deciding I was going to take some chances and write fiction. Yeah, a couple years ago. Awesome. Yeah, right when I moved here, probably. <laughs> that probably is it. It probably does coincide with moving here and uh -huh. moving in with Chris and being around her, creating art all the time. Yeah. And I started taking more chances, so I started writing fiction then. That's amazing. And Yeah, it, but it's like I, it was so hard because that I could write about Micah playing or I could write about BJ playing. I'm so invested in what they're doing, but if I've got ideas up here that I'm supposed to put on a page and then expect people yeah. to think it's interesting or read it, yeah. I'm like, man, that is, you gotta, you it are, takes a lot of courage. Insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is. And I think, um, I think if you're doing the work, you're constantly writing, right? Mm -hmm. And that if you're constantly doing anything, you become better at it. You're it's gonna get muscle, better, yeah. Right? Yep. Um, and I think, I think it's interesting, like, what do you do with your art as a next challenge? Like mm -hmm. that, that, that really fascinates me because I come from like a long line of way more talented artists than I am. Mm -hmm. And yet like when my grandfather died, he had like 400 oil paintings in his basement. Like, and there's one in a bar, you know, in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Like, and to wow. me that blows my mind, but also it's like very beautiful. Cause after he passed away, like, my mother was to was able to like reconnect with people in his life by giving him or giving them a piece of you know his work and whatnot but yeah like, you know so growing up art was very much so encouraged but it wasn't um something you could do something that was like substantial and and uh that you were able to live off of right you know? so that aspect wasn't um prevalent yeah so that's definitely something that i've had to figure out um but yeah. yeah, yeah, doing it is insane. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And but I think you're you're definitely you're onto something for sure. As simple as it sounds, it's not simple. It's a pretty pretty heavy concept. The idea of just doing the work and putting it out there yeah. and getting out of your ego yep. as much as you can. Yeah. And just go. I'm gonna put it out there. I think this is good. Otherwise, I wouldn't put it out there. Mm -hmm. And it's not as good as I'm gonna be five years from now. That's an interesting thing, you yeah. know, like you, I look back at episode one of this show. I look back at episode three with Micah and look at where, I, where we are now. Uh -huh. and I'm like, what? Is that the same show? Yeah. You know, is that the yeah. same thing? And it's fun to see the growth, it's, but it's yeah. also kind of terrifying because <laughs> you look yeah. back and you're like, yeah. I put that out There's there. There's a very sharp <laughs> microscope of yeah. where you have been. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's healthy. Like I like, I like looking back and seeing older worker. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, oh shit! Like I've done a lot of I've done a lot of work, you right? Know? Like to get here, standing with you today, like yeah, it's been it's been a long year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's been good work and bad work, and it's all part of it. Yeah. But I think going back to your your point, um, that there are a lot more platforms for people to share things too, which I think is really healthy. Mm -hmm. like I've I've seen especially like on Instagram, a lot more positive sharing. Mm. And it obviously with our Russian elected president and whatnot, like Facebook is a very negative, um, it doesn't breed action. And I feel like, um, especially like in the more creative artistic community of people who are posting active work and selling, especially on Instagram, um, that there's positivity and mm. there's like a vulnerability. And I think mm -hmm. that is what makes their art continue on. And, um, I think that, I think that's like a positive vulnerability, but I think it's really cool that people can start to share that you can have, you don't have to be a full-time 
artist that you can just be, you know, a school teacher and be writing and you could start your own private poetry, you know, Instagram account, but it can live somewhere and someone you don't know in a different country can stumble across it, you know, and that's that's really, really cool. It's wild. Yeah, like my grandfather never had that, you know, opportunity with mm-hmm. the way he worked. So I think um, I think it's cool that there are more platforms for people to share because I think that creates more um, more possibilities for people that it doesn't seem that like, oh, you are standing up on a stage and you are a songwriter, you know, a singer and a songwriter and a musician and I need to know how to play guitar, but you know, the notes in your phone can be turned into a awesome poem and yeah. you can go home and record it on your on your iPhone in the quiet of your bathroom and post it on Bandcamp and you know, yeah. spoken word artist. Right. Cool. Yeah, that is like, cool. I wish I had that when I was sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. So yeah. I think that's a positive thing from it. Right. That's great. Yeah. Well can we uh can we charm you into hearing some of that poetry? Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. Grab it real quick. There's a, um, you sent me a few of them and I, I like them all. Do you I like, have any requests? Um, let's see. Well, kind of. I mean, if you could do number six, I wrote it all down. Yes. If you could do that, that one's, I think, really strong and goes to a point that you alluded to earlier. I really like number two. It's a little bit longer. Cool. I, if you're comfortable with. I'm into that. Okay. Because yeah, I really, it's different from the other ones and, it, and I like it a lot. So Thank you. Yeah, if you'd be comfortable with those two, that would be amazing. Can I grab Micah? Yeah, that, that would be wonderful. Hey, Micah. Does it sound okay? With a sweaty fist full of forgotten wildflower seeds collected in a crumpled wax envelope from the last three years of travels, I mindlessly sprinkled them on the morning after rain soaked dirt in the alley next to our apartment. The alley where I listened to the day drunks count their change and smash the empty bottles against the piss stained brick walls. Pass out, wake up, vomit, and clock back in by 11 a.m. the next day. The alley where I watched a man get murdered. He bled to death in his screaming sister's arms as the kids who blew his brains out ran down Summit Street. The newspaper said he was in recovery and he had recently found Jesus. They always say they had found Jesus, like it's supposed to come for you. The alley where the leftover carnies from the state fair shoot up and smack their girlfriends around. I left her an envelope in that alley, hoping she would open it. It said, we aren't the love we think we deserve. I saw him get arrested at the UDF. Two days later, they were sitting under the payphone laughing and sharing an ice cream cone. They had a puppy on a rope with them. The alley where you were the lookout and me dressed all in black, plastering crumbling yellow stained maps with black scribbled poetry full of desperate honesty and battle cries of existence at 4 a.m. onto the walls. The alley where at the start of every summer, the college kids pile up their furniture and disposable belongings. You took an old can of red spray paint and wrote on a ripped up mattress leaning against the dumpster, I will not sell myself to God. We laughed every day we saw it knowing that Tuesday was garbage day. The alley where those wildflower seeds that were tossed out with a silly hopefulness a year ago took root, broke through the dirt and bloomed, 
filling that alley with colors and a beauty that you'd never expect to find in a four-foot gap between two brick walls amongst the cigarette butts, broken glass, and dog shit. Such wild flowers, like true outlaws. Look, what I'm trying to say is that everything is possible and it's all happening. All this adversity bringing diversity around us. Something so small like a neglected seed, but so very much alive, growing, thriving, charging towards the light. There is bravery and softness and vulnerability. I don't know about you, but I think it's the most beautiful wildflower. I don't know about you, but I think it's the most beautiful flower I've ever seen. It's an alley flower and I grew it for you. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. Everything is possible and it's all happening. White supremacist, sex suppressive, colonial mindset, straight white men are running out of adventures. Thank you. Thank you. You got the second one from me. <laughs> Thank you. Vanessa Jean Speckman, y'all. Such an honor to have Vanessa on the show. Check out all of her work over at her Etsy shop. Make sure you follow her on social media. She's always got something interesting and insightful to say. And then you can follow some of her journeys on tour as well, which is delightful. I'm so thankful for the work that she does. I'm so thankful that I've gotten to know Vanessa and that she gave us some of her time and really shared in her creative process. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm so thankful that you're continuing to listen as we come up on our one year anniversary, y'all. That's crazy, right? September 7th, I believe it was, of uh, last year is when we released the BJ Barham episode. It's wild. And, And to think that how much it's grown and how much interaction we now have. I really appreciate it over on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is that you follow us on social media. Um, Thank you so much to our Patreon patrons. So huge. Uh, Jason's Journey episode two is coming out this weekend. I meant to, uh, I was going to release it before, but I really got on a roll during the episode and I didn't pay attention to the fact that I ran out on my memory card. So I've got to finish it in a second installment it's just it's done it's just i gotta pick up where i left off so sorry about that y'all i just really got into it i'm talking about cycling specifically and the influence that that has had creatively on my life you can follow us on instagram marinade underscore podcast facebook.com slash marinade podcast twitter at marinade podcast so many great interactions over there and thank you so much for that we got two more episodes in the hopper y'all um and then three booked for the sing out loud festival so big thanks to Micah Schnabel for appearing on this this episode. He has his own episode coming up, um, as well as the one with Hannah Harbour, who's in the studio um, recording the album that, uh, that she talks about a little bit on her episode coming up. Uh, I'm also got those three episodes I just mentioned booked for September at the Sing Out Loud Festival in St. Augustine. It's an amazing event that's free. The only ticketed event is Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. Uh, with Lucero and the Decemberists, incredible lineup. 
and I think it's like 25 bucks and the, and they're donating the proceeds. Just such a cool event in St. Augustine. And so I'm going to try to be as active as possible. I'm working on my favorite photographer being with me and you know, who knows what might happen. There's some friends that are musicians that are, uh, hanging out at the festival, either playing sets or they're just there. And I might see if I can uh, round a few of them up and do something special. Uh, but I'll try to document it as much as possible and probably release a lot of that stuff over on Patreon. So if you, uh, if you haven't yet, go over to patreon.com and see what we're doing and see if you like it uh, for a modest donation. Uh, try to get as much content out to our Patreon patrons as possible. And uh, it makes a huge difference, y'all. It makes an enormous difference in what we're able to do. What I'm getting down on, um, a couple of things. So first thing, TV. Uh, I don't, I've never really had very many, I guess in my adult life, I should say, I've never really had many sort of guilty pleasures, like those turn my brain off, just watch something kind of thing because I get so sucked into television or film. If I wa- like something and I watch it, I, don't, I can't passively consume it. You know, so like I love Game of Thrones, for example, and I like have to set aside the time to do it because otherwise uh, I like I'm going to be too distracted. I can't just have it on in the background kind of thing. Um, but Hard Knocks on HBO, this most recent season with the Cleveland Browns. I'm not a Cleveland Browns fan. Um, I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars diehard fan, and I grew up uh, really rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. So there's nothing I like about the Browns, but that team is so compelling and it's great because you can kind of turn your brain off. The NFL is such a fascinating league because it's so complex, but it seems to be run by this kind of good old boy network. And the show makes it seem like just about anybody could run an NFL franchise despite the number of decisions that have to be made and personalities that have to be balanced. I mean, it's staggering what kinds of decisions have to be made to put an NFL team on the field and have them win. But the Browns, maybe it's just the Browns, and maybe that's why they lose so much, but it seems like anybody could run that team based on the people that are running it. But I just love it, and the personalities are huge. Um, I'm fascinated by them, and it's been really fun for me keeping up with Hard Knocks. Uh, records that I've been listening to, Chuck Reagan, The Flame and the Flood. It came out in 2016. He'll be in St. Augustine um, when I'm when I'm there. And uh, John Snodgrass, one of our great alums on this show and a friend of the show, really good friend of the show. John's been so good to the marinade is, uh, is on that record. And the record is wonderful. The other one that I'm just crazy about one of the best of the year, I would say it's in my top five. Um, right now, of course, uh, Hawks and doves is still sitting at the top. I'm just crazy about that Hawks and doves record. Uh, the, the American aquarium things change is still in my top five, but, um, Austin Lucas's Immortal Americans. It came out just a week or two ago. It's a brilliant album, and I highly recommend you get down on it. I revisited Otis Gibbs' um, podcast, Thanks for Giving a Damn, which I think I've mentioned during this segment before. Um, Otis is a musician and does an amazing job with his podcast. It's um, it's stories. It's I mean, I guess you could you would lump it into the same genre as the marinade, but it's really not the same thing. He does a different thing, and, and I appreciate it, and I learn a lot from him listening to his show. Just finished a couple of books. I've been reading voraciously. Um, Dirty Work by Larry Brown. Larry Brown is fast becoming one of my favorite authors of all time. Dirty Work is a story of two Vietnam vets, one African-American, one white, and their different perspectives, and they sort of tell each other stories at times, and it's definitely an, uh, an anti-war commentary and, and really well done, so fascinating. 
Um, and I just finished it and I'm about to start a book about Charlottesville, the events of Charlottesville, Virginia last year, which, um, which is to me the kind of event that I, I won't soon forget. Um, you know, in my consciousness as an adult, it's up there with like, you know, the challenger as a childhood, nine 11, those are huge events that like mark points in your life to me, Charlottesville and, uh, the, the president's response to it really are, are, it's, it's one of the, the darkest moments in, in the last 50 years for sure of, of our, of the history of our country, maybe going back even further. So I'm really looking forward to reading more about the events there. Try not to get myself too heated and angry about it, but, um, you'll, you'll hear about it if I do. So, so many good things going on with the show. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Thank you so much to Vanessa. Thank you so much to Micah. I love you so much, everybody. Cheers, y'all.